0: And so today, uh, we're in John chapter 1, but if you notice, nothing is on the screens, right? So, um, usually I say you can open up to John chapter 1, and we'll have it on the screens for you as well. But let me tell you this, this morning I pulled up to the trailer, because we're portable, everything's in our trailer, and the tire was flat. You believe that? So, we had to get air in the tire, got the trailer here, get here, and the technology's not working at all. So, I told all of our volunteers, I was like, today must be good, right? Like, because the enemy's trying to stop something. Uh, but, you know what we're going to do today? We're going to have church, right? We're, we're going to do church. We're not going to allow technology or a flat tire. None of that's going to stop us. Uh, Jacob and I say this all the time. I'm like, look, if we don't even have speakers, you play your guitar. We're going to worship. I'm going to open up this Bible and I'm going to preach it. OK, and so that's all we need. Um, and so when things like this happen. I don't know why they happen, but sometimes they do. And we're going to lean in and maybe God just wants us to focus this on his word, not on the screens, you know. So whatever that may be, we're going to do that. Uh, But John chapter one, we'll be there in a few minutes. Uh, We started that and kicked it in. But I want to talk to you a little bit here this morning. Um, about the great pursuit, the great pursuit. We're in Christmas season, full-fledged, right? Christmas lights are out, houses are decorated. Uh, we're planning what's going to happen over the holidays, and it's busy, things are going on, right? Uh, but I want you to think about a time, maybe in your life, when you had something that you really wanted. There's a moment, it could be as a child, teenager, adult, now even, something that you really Really wanted and I think when we were kids, it it started out maybe as like a toy or a piece of electronic, right? You remember just I really want this and Christmas would come and go, can I please have this? I really want this game system or I really want this Nintendo. I really want this Atari. You know what generation you know, whatever it may be, but we begin to think about I really want this and as you get older, maybe a teenager. Um, you begin to think maybe of a guy or a girl, right? Oh, if I could date her, if I could date him. I remember when my wife and I first started dating, I I didn't really talk on the phone ever. It wasn't even in my vocabulary. And all of a sudden, I'm on the phone for like three hours a day, right? Like it just changes everything. And as you get older, uh, we plug and play with different things. I, I really want that vehicle. Or I really want that career. If I could just get to that career, if I could just get or it could be a money level or it could be a particular job. If I could just get that job, I really want it. Right. And the thing that happens when we really want something, what happens? It changes the way that we think sometimes. And it can even change the way we act, what we do, what we look at, what we think about, what we pursue. Right. Because what we really want, we ultimately what? We start to pursue it, right? I mean, and it changes everything. It could be a sport. It could be whatever it may be. And I'm not painting a picture of as it being always bad. But what I'd like to point to is, is that when we really want something, we pursue it. It begins to change what we do. In fact, we will even reorient our lives around trying to get whatever that thing is, right? We'll change our behavior, our mindset. We'll move things around, all of this. To get whatever we're trying to pursue. And as we think about the Christmas story, it's all about this great pursuit. This hopeful, exciting expectation. But instead of us thinking about what am I pursuing? What am I going after? The great pursuit and really the story of Christmas is the opposite. It's where God is pursuing us. He pursued us for the great pursuit is that God came down to us because oftentimes we as uh, humans, we like to put us in the center of the universe. Right. And like everything revolves around us. But Christmas is this amazing uh, illustration, picture, real life history story that reminds us that everything revolves around God. And we as humans can even do everything we can to try to work ourselves up to God to work. our Even in the Old Testament, we have the uh, famous story of the Tower of Babel. If you ever heard of it, humans got together and said, you know what? Let's build a tower to reach God. Let's try to get to him in all of our power and all of our strength. Let's just try to do everything good, do everything right. But what happens is, is we end up falling short and we can't get that far. And God recognizes he knows this because he knows all things and he created us. He knows all the wiring, everything in our brain. And he knows that we can't work our way up to him. But yet he loves us so much that he would come down to us. And this is the Christmas story. This is the great pursuit. And to help us understand this and to get a picture of it, this year we really hone into the book of John. And John chapter 1. Because if we read Matthew, the first few chapters are what? It's Jesus' human genealogy. It walks you all the way back to, from the beginning of time. And it paints this picture of who Jesus is through the human lens. And he tries to connect in that way. And in fact, he's speaking largely to a Jewish uh, audience. And so he brings in a lot of Old Testament scriptures. To to connect the dots of the Jewish heritage and bringing Jesus on. And then we see Luke, he's a doctor. I mean, he's precise. He knows about the details. He cares about the details. So all the stories are a full length, detailed picture in Luke, right? And so Luke chapter 2 is one of the more traditional chapters that we read at Christmas. Because it's so detailed. He paints the picture. And then Mark, Mark is my guy. I mean, he is about the action. He skips baby Jesus and goes right to ministry Jesus, where he's healing people, casting out demons, all of these things, right? The book of Mark. And then we get the book of John. And the book of John, I I love the book of John, because it's like people say the book of John is written by Grandpa John. It's one of the last Gospels to be written. And he looks back over everything that has happened in his life and inspired by the Holy Spirit, he begins to pen The book of John and you notice the book of John, John chapter one, it starts off a little different, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he's trying to lay the foundation for you and for me to help us see who Jesus really is. I mean, yes, he had this human genealogy that God wove through all the way from the beginning of time. Yes, we need to have those detailed accounts. Yes, we need to see the the action that Jesus provided. But yet, John says, let's not forget who Jesus is. In fact, who Jesus is from the beginning, he was there in the beginning. It's not like he came as a baby and Jesus was brought forth into our world and into our existence. This says, no Jesus has always been here. From the beginning of time. Everything in fact was created through him. But yet imagine heaven. Where Jesus came from. I mean, we see this in the book of Revelation, this uh, incredible picture of heaven. We get to lean in and peek in because of Scripture. And Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And it says, as we read, that there are beings created. I mean, just wild, imaginative beings, right? God is a creative God. I mean, multiple head, multiple eyes, wings, and their sole job. Is to fly around the throne and singing and worshiping God. Worthy, worthy, worthy of the Lamb of God. Worthy, holy, 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 right? Singing these songs. That's their sole job. And that is what the, the, where Jesus is in heaven in eternity. This perfect place full of love and hope, full of grace. And it says that there is clear gold. I don't really know how that works, but clear gold. So that we can peer through the, the walls and see the glory of God at all times in heaven. And Jesus left that place and says, you know what? I want to dwell among them. I want to come To them. They need to see me, right? And all the way through creation, God creates human beings for relationship. Over and over again, he comes back and Jesus comes onto the scene and he's trying to reconcile the relationship, redeem the relationship from his creation over time. And so when we get to the book of John, uh, Jason spoke last week, did just an amazing job talking about light into the darkness and talked about the first few verses. And then uh, this week we're looking at uh, verses 14 through 18. Everybody still doing okay? Very good. So John chapter one, we're going to start in verse 14 and it says this. And the word became flesh. And if you look at the beginning of the book of John, uh, the word, we see it synonymously put in there with Jesus. The word is Jesus. And you're going to see that here play out in verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out. This was He of whom I said, He comes after me, ranks before me, because He was before me. From this His fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's right hand. He has made Him known. What a piece of scripture to think about. It says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The biggest thing that the Christmas story tells us is that God came to us. Light came into the darkness. And I think about our culture. And honestly, I I believe every generation, maybe even every individual has maybe asked this question to God. God, if you're real, will you reveal yourself to me? God, if you're real, can you give me a sign, right? God, if you're real, in fact, we even see it in Scripture where they're asking for a sign. Can you give us a sign? Can you write it in the sky? Can you make this happen or this happen? We see it all throughout Scripture, I think, but we see it in our lives too. God, if you're real, right? Can you, can you just show me? Can you prove it to me? And the, what I love about the Christmas story, the amazing thing about the Christmas story is that Jesus says, you know what? I'll do you one better. In fact, I will come myself to earth. God, the creator of all things, he's like, I'm going to come to you in 700 years before I come. I'm going to prophesy. I'm going to tell the future that I'm going to come. And I'm going to have all of these different prophecies lined up so that, you know, without a doubt, this is me. This is who predicted all of this. And then he comes as a baby, dwells among us, gives us even more like, God, can you please give me a sign? I mean, he raises the dead. Not just once, multiple times, right? He casts out demons. He does all of these things. And when John the Baptist asks the question that we're asking here today, he sends people when he's getting ready to be beheaded. He says, Jesus, are you really who you say you are? He's asking God, are you really Jesus? Are you real? And what does Jesus say? He says, go back and tell him that the lame walk, that the deaf hear, that the blind see. And he talks and walks him back all the way through everything that he has done because the miracles were not just for the miracles, but they were to point to who Jesus is, right? He's to point to why he came and God came to us. That is the great pursuit. And anytime we ask the question God, are you real? If somebody comes to us, God, are you real? How can can I know that you are real? We can point them to the Christmas story. What a beautiful time of year for us to go. Hey, can I tell you about the greatest story that has ever been told? All of these prophecies that came true. This is who God is and this is what he has shown us, that he pursues us. And I believe that we see that God pursues us. If you've been coming to church and we've opened our eyes to it, because from the human perspective, when God pursues us, you know what it looks like? You know what we we coined it as? Coincidence. Right? Have you ever noticed that in our life? We're going, ooh, that's a coincidence that that happened. This person came here. This person said that. This lined up this way. I cannot believe that happened. That's just crazy. Right? Like all of these different pieces begin to happen. But on the human side of it, because we can't see God's side, right? Our mind's not uh, his mind. But for us, we try to put a definition on it. And we go, oh, that's, that's a coincidence. But there are no coincidences with God. He he is sovereign and he knows all things and he begins to align those things because he loves us. He begins to pursue and connect the dots. In fact, I was just uh, talking to a college student uh, this past week and she said, I was really trying to get back to pursue God. And when her grandmother passed away, there was a one particular verse that really spoke to her heart out of Romans chapter eight. And she said the moment she started praying and asking what she should do, all of a sudden this verse started coming up everywhere. I mean, she would open up her phone. It would come out to her. Somebody would message her to it. And finally it came to a culmination where somebody came up to her and said, hey, I I really felt led to share this verse with you. And She finally stepped back and go, "Okay, God, I I sense that you're pursuing me. I see what you're doing here. Right. And we could chalk it up as coincidence. But we see what has happened. We've even seen it recently here. We have a. Uh, Really, I I mean, he's just a a huge faith factor uh, for our church. Dave, who uh, just had a a mild kind of heart attack and uh, all the moments that lined up to it and up to that moment are just amazing at what God has done. They forgot their phones, right? One couple forgot their phones. Dave landed on the other ones when he passed out and they they couldn't call anyone. So she had to flag down the car that was coming. Guess who was the first car? That she flagged down, an off-duty paramedic, right? All of a sudden, right there in the moment he was able to do that, they were able to call 911, and these coincidences, right, begin to happen. But God is saying, I'm pursuing you. I'm moving and working in your life. And, and when we see those moments, we see how God is pursuing us. We see it all the way through Scripture. Adam and Eve, they sin against God, and they go run and try to hide. And guess who comes after them? God comes walking back through the garden to chase them out again. Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells of three parables of what he will do, the lengths he will go to to find those who are lost, who are not connected to him. We see that God pursued Elijah. He was running from Ahab and Jezebel. And in fact, he had just got done. uh, He didn't do it. He prayed. God brought down fire from heaven. And then the next moment, he's so depressed, he's asking God if he can die. Right. He's at this point in his life going, I can't do this anymore. They're chasing after me. I cannot live this way. God, I just need to die. I need to go away. And God meets him right there in a cave in a whisper. And in fact, funny thing is, God tells him to take a nap and eat first. Right. You know what I'm saying? This just those things that we see. Also, we see Paul. I mean, he is a literal Terrorists against Christians, chasing them down, putting them, arresting them. And he's headed to Damascus to go after more Christians to arrest them. And God meets him, boom, knocks him off his horse and says, Paul, why do you per- uh, persecute me, right? Because God is pursuing us. What an amazing story for you and I. And when we have this revelation, when we understand this, it changes, right? It begins to shift to go, wow. I need now God pursued me first. I need to pursue him. If, he, if I am, remember, because we pursue what's important to us, right? So if, God, if I'm that important to God, right? Well, he's pursuing me. He loves me so much. He's willing to line all of these things. Then I want to turn my heart's affections toward him as well. And I want to give you four ways that God pursues us in our day and time here. Just real quickly. One is through circumstances. Things begin to happen in our life. Situations begin to happen, right? I, I don't know why the trailer had a flat tire, but maybe God was trying to derail us for a moment. I don't know why the screens aren't working, but maybe God's like, hey, I just want you to lean in and, and pay attention to the scripture, not the screens. I don't know what it is, right? But circumstances can often happen, but God can use those circumstances to begin to, begin to speak to us, right? And 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 here's the amazing thing about God. It can even be a bad circumstance that he didn't, make happen but he's so good in his grace and his mercy he will take it right like he'll take the symbol of a cross and turn it into something we look for for hope right he'll turn that i mean it's a form of execution right where they killed people but yet he turned it into a a symbol of hope so circumstances god will use those also god will use other people right um maybe you've experienced this before where somebody will come tell you something and you're like wait a second Number one, how did you even know I was going through that, right? Like, why would you encourage me? Or you just encouraged me right at the moment. You sent me that text. Wow, that's, that, I can't believe that happened, right? And, and God begins to speak to us. Or maybe you've experienced this with the Holy Spirit, where somebody, he's placing somebody's name on your mind. And you just, I can't forget their name. Why does they keep coming up? And then you reach out to them, and they're like, oh, I'm going through this, or this is happening, or thanks for thinking of me, whatever that may be. But God, he begins to pursue us through other people. Also, he pursues us with the Holy Spirit in us to us right the Holy Spirit is working with our heart working with our mind and he begins to work in us right as we receive the Holy Spirit and when we give our lives to Christ the Holy Spirit begins to talk to us he talks to us with conviction of sin right he says hey I have something that's better for you don't pursue that that's not going to get you where you want it to go right and then he convicts us of righteousness and he says this is the path that I want to lead you to this is where I want to guide you as the Holy Spirit speaks to us and then uh, just a, a fourth thing this is not an exhaustive Lists, but I think these are uh, a big ways that he pursues us is through his word, right? When we open up, have you ever opened up the word and read a verse and go... Phew. That was for me. I needed that verse today. How did God know, right, that I needed that verse today? And we begin to see how God can use his alive and active word to speak to our hearts. He does that. And as God pursues us through all of those different avenues, God, remember, he came to us. And John chapter one uses this illustration of light and darkness, right? And Jason reminded us that darkness is just the absence of light. And whenever you and I can feel like we're in darkness, we're not in, if we're in Christ, we're not truly in darkness. Because he is in us and he has given us a light. And so we are never truly in darkness. Our mind and the enemy likes to play smoke and mirrors, right? He wants us to think that we have darkness, that God has left us and see this happen. And look at that circumstance. God doesn't love you. He's not there. And we think we're in darkness. But the truth is that the light is still in us. And if you're taking notes, God steps into the darkness to expel it. And, and my, this thing right here about God is that God is not scared of the darkness. He is not scared of the darkness that's happened in this world. The, the most evil thoughts that we can imagine that are happening in wars and everything around us, God does not cower back and go, oh my goodness, this is too much for me to handle. In fact, God steps into the darkness. He steps into what is happening into our world. And he did here. And he says, I'm stepping into it because the only way to expel it is because I am the light. And he is not scared of our darkness, our most deepest, darkest, cynical, evil thought that we could ever have. God is not scared of it. He steps into it, right? And the only way to expel those things is to receive the light so that the light will shine in that darkness. Oftentimes, I feel like, because it is, it's too heavy for us, right? It's too heavy for maybe what I have gone through. But for God, it's a beautiful reminder for us to go, God, that's not too big for God. My past, no matter what has happened in my past, it is not too heavy for God. I can bring it. You can think of the worst thing, right? That just piles up and piles up and piles up in my life. It could be the darkest corner of my soul, but yet it is not too dark for God. His light is powerful enough to move into that moment. And we see this scripture here that is a reminder of it. It says that he is full of grace and truth. I love those two things together because if you met somebody that's um, their heavy grace Right. Like everything goes like, oh, God will cover it. You know, it's OK. Like hey, do whatever you want to do. Right. Full of grace, which I think we need to have grace because grace is free and undeserved uh, forgiveness that we have in God. But Paul tells us in Scripture what he says, don't go on sinning just willy nilly. Right. He's like because a grace abounds. He's saying, no, there's also a truth side. Have you met somebody who is uh, all truth, no grace mess my last side. usually it's like the super religious. you know like oh, the Pharisees, all truth, no grace, this is it, this is the hard line. Whoop, you crossed my line. look what you did, right? And we can get very legalistic. but but, but both of them, are very important we need grace and we need truth and Jesus is full of grace full of free and undeserved right but then he'll also come whisper in our ear speak to our ear sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't just whisper in my ear I feel like he slaps me in the back of the head like what are you doing right like come on here we go but full of truth and I love this because grace heals and truth guides and when the light comes into our lives he begins to heal the things in our life that are in the darkness. And not only that, and I think this is really evident maybe if you're a first-generation Christian. Maybe you're a first-generation Christian in your life and you're trying to follow God for the very first time and you look at your life and you go, you know what, I really know what not to do, but I need to know what to do, right? Like, I, I need I need a whole other half of the equation. I know when I don't want my life to live, like When we, usually when we give our lives and surrender our lives to Christ, I know those bad feelings. I know what the sinful brings. I don't want that anymore, But what do I do? Grace heals those things, but then God begins to guide us with his truth. The Holy Spirit begins to light the path in us. I don't know if you've ever been working on a car or working on something and you can't really see. You know, like you've ever had something which you're working on and the, the piece falls in the truck and the, the uh, nut and the bolt falls down in the vehicle and you're trying to find it and you can't see but then you get a flashlight out and you really get in there and you kind of maybe if you grew up holding a flashlight for your dad and you've recovered from that as, an, as you're older but like it's just never in the right spot. But like you're looking at you're looking in there and as the light hits Once the light reveals what is in the dark, then you can see it, right? And I think that's what God does with us spiritually. There are things in our heart and in our lives that maybe we haven't even visited for a long time. And God begins to shine a light on some of those things. He's like, hey, it's not hidden from me. You may have hid it from everyone else, but it's not hidden from me. And I want to heal those things in you. Not only do I want to heal that part of you, I want to begin to show you what the truth is so that you don't pass it down, so that you don't pass it down even through a discipleship relationship or even through your family, whatever it may be, I want to heal you and i want to begin to reveal that truth in you. It's like a lantern. Have you ever been camping before? And you take this lantern, oftentimes we think about the light and we think about this lighthouse that's just beaming across, showing all this light for hundreds of miles that we can see, but oftentimes it's more like that lantern. Right. Where God has lit a light in us. And then with a lantern, if you ever walked in the dark with a lantern, you can only really see about two feet around you. Right. You can't see all the way in front of you, but I can see this two feet. But what happens when you are really scared of the dark and you're sitting there in this two feet? You're like, "Ooh, this two feet, this is safe. There's no snakes here. There's no stumps that are going to trip me. There's no like bats, you know, whatever it may be, like whatever our mind says. But I'm safe right here. But when we realize if I take a step, guess what? The next two feet is lit up and then the next two feet is lit up. Then the next two feet's lit up. Not only that, that's still in the dark, but I've been through there. I know what that looks like. And oftentimes we're walking through life and we want to see 40 steps ahead. But God is going to take a step. I'm going to light the next two feet. And as you take a step of faith, I'm going to light the next two feet. And I'm going to light the next two feet, right? And many times, even in our healing, God wants to peel back the layers and heal us that moment by moment as well. Right. Uh, we see uh, all throughout scripture, sometimes God does heal people instantly. But I think there's things that still may linger that God wants to heal. We begin to peel the layer back of going, yes, God, you, I, I feel set free. But there's still some things in my path that maybe I have a little PTSD about. I have a little worry about that that still kind of trigger me in moments. Right. But God's going, let's peel those layers back, right? And he can use different people to help do that, but he begins to heal those things in us because the light begins to hit. But oftentimes we come back, and I know, like, trust me, as a guy, like, we wanted to just, right? Like, God, you don't need to be getting there. I've locked that thing tight away, locked the key up, thrown it away. It's in the bottom of the ocean. Let's never talk about that again, right? But God is going, Look, I want to heal every part of you. There is no darkness that I can't expel. There's no darkness that I begin to reveal that in us and through us. And I begin to see this uh in the story. there's a particular person in the Bible that sometimes gets talked about but we don't see the full nature of what God has done in her life and it's Mary Magdalene. She comes here at the beginning of Jesus's ministry in Luke chapter 8. And in Luke chapter I got to check my watch cuz I don't have my screens. I think we're good. Okay, line 14. But Luke chapter 8 And this is where she first comes onto the scene. And in fact, she's mentioned almost as many times as the disciples as she's following Jesus. But in Luke chapter 8, this is where she first comes onto the scene. It says, Soon afterwards, he went on through the cities. He's talking about Jesus. Proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. So it was Jesus and the twelve disciples. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, Uh, From whom seven demons had gone out. I mean, that's some darkness, right? Seven. She was possessed by seven. I mean, talk about the Bible is exciting. She was seven different demons. And that did not scare Jesus. In fact, he said, I got a divine appointment. I need to meet Mary Magdalene. She is living in complete darkness. And he cast out all those seven demons. And then she begins to follow Jesus. But I can only imagine that Mary had some things going on in her life where she walked into the room and smelled a smell or saw a picture and it reminded her of being possessed by seven demons. And it maybe triggered some things in her. And God had to keep showing her and reminded her, no, look, I've healed you. And I want to keep healing. I want to keep redeeming you in this and then Mary even she, we see later on that who is standing at the feet of Jesus when he is crucified there's only three and Mary Magdalene is one of them and then Jesus dies on the cross and she's the one of the ones that help bury Jesus and then three days later who's one of the first people to get to the tomb Mary Magdalene right she gets to the tomb and the angel speaks to her and who's one of the first people to turn and tell everybody else. He is alive. He is here. You're not gonna believe this story, Mary Magdalene. How does that happen where you have a woman who is possessed by seven demons get healed? and then walk through the, all those, that three years with Jesus, right? Because Jesus was not terrified of what was in her. Jesus was not terrified of that darkness. In fact, he stepped into it and began to heal her of it, and then guiding her along the way of going, you don't have to live this way. Let me show you the path of how you can live and interact with the world around you. And he begins to show us this path. And Mary Magdalene then turns. What is her response? She, she stops. She's healed, right? God begins to show her the truth, right? Because God first pursued her. And then she turns and what does she do? She begins to pursue Jesus, right? She goes, wow. I can't believe you would love me like this. I can't believe you would heal me out of, God, do you know what I have done? If you read the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, over and over again, he goes, I can't believe God healed me. I, I am the worst of worst. I am the worst of sinners. I cannot believe God pursued me and did all of these things in my life. I can't believe he saved me, right? And Mary's the same way. She turns and starts pursuing Jesus because we pursue what's important to us, right? All of a sudden we start reorienting our whole lives to pursue what is our heart's affections and desires in that. And God begins to light the way in us. And I want to kind of close with this uh, folding of the Christmas story. And this is what Jesus says to us. And this is why the Christmas story is so impactful, not only because of everything I just said, but also for humanity and the story of humans, because in the Old Testament, Moses, he would dwell with God and talk with God, but he would go up to the mountain And everybody looking on the outside would see Moses talking with God. But what it looked like from the outside was a thunderstorm. Clouds were surrounding him. Lightning was flashing. Thunder was going on. And then Moses would come down. One time he came with the Ten Commandments. Or he'd come down with other messages. Because God would dwell with him. Then God instructed them. You're going to build this tabernacle. And it has to be holy because I am holy, right? And you have to create this tabernacle. Then there needs to be a room inside that room, and then a room inside that room, so that there's this progression of holiness to make sure you're ready. Because my pres- when my presence comes, you've you got to be perfect. You've got to be holy, right? And in the priest during that time, what they would do is they would tie a rope around them, and they would have this ritual to help them be cleansed. And then they would crawl into the Holy of Holies. And if they were not cleansed correctly, They would die in the moment because God's presence would come in. His holiness would come in. The rope was to drag them out if they weren't ready. We see this happen over. So the Old Testament, when they followed, they understood that Jesus was holy, they understood that God was holy. I mean, they saw lightning, they saw thunder, they saw the clouds, all of these things. Right. And we see the progression of how God dwelt with his people. And then here comes Jesus. Right. The incarnation of that holy God in the flesh. If we want to know what God is like, we look to Jesus right in his fullness. Right. We get to fully see who God is. What would God do in that situation? We look to Jesus. Right. What would happen in our life is God in the flesh that we get to see. And this is a moment that ushers in the new covenant that we just talked about in communion, the new covenant. Is that now you and me, when we give our lives to Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit, which is God, the same God that had the holy of holies that the priests would crawl into. That same God dwells in you and me. The light of the world dwells in us as believers. And he begins to do that holy work in us. Now we're the temple. Of the Holy Spirit. Read the New Testament. That's what Paul says. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. That I'm the new temple. And can you imagine Moses. Peering into humanity. Looking at you. Looking at me. Going wow. You got the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. That is amazing. I had to go up to this mountain. Thunderstorms. And lightning. It was you know. All these things right. I had to beg God. Just to see the edge of his robe. And his face glue for days right. But yet God dwells in you. Every single day. Every single moment. God is dwelling in us. Because the enemy, what does he want? You're in darkness. See that? You're in darkness. You can't, you're by yourself, you're alone. You're in darkness. But we always have the light of Christ in us. I want to read this quote to you by A.W. Tozer. It says, We need never shout across the spaces to an absent God. He is nearer than our own soul. He is closer than our most secret thoughts. It's a picture we don't need that this vastness, but he is here. He is present. And I want to share this verse with you. And then I'm really going to close and really going to pray and we're going to sing a song together. Uh, but John chapter one, verse five is really the theme verse for this whole series. This Christmas season. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. What a verse, what a reminder. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. No matter how evil the world can get, no matter where our thoughts go, the light cannot be distinguished. The light of Christ is dwelling in us. And when we go out, we take that same light. And when we see people living in darkness, we get to mosey our little two foot lamp over there and go, hey, can I show you the way? God can heal those things in you and he can begin to show you the light. I know for us, one of the things I mentioned actually at the very end of the nine o'clock service, but I, what I really feel strongly, especially about this, is I really feel like the Holy Spirit was like lean into that God heals those things, especially in our past and the darkness that he is. He is big enough to begin to unpeel those layers through us. So as we lean into that, we want to be a church where people can come in and receive prayer. We want to be a church where people can come in and go, look, sometimes it's easy to play church, right? To come in and go, oh, how you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm really good. You know, everything's perfect when it's not. And we want to say, it's okay to come in and go, "Whoa, this is going on. I really need prayer for this, right? And we're going to lean in as a community because we know life's not perfect. I'm not up here for a performance. I may have my button up shirt on, but I wanted to know like we will step into the darkness too, right? Like let's step into this thing together and let's help pull each other out. Let's remind each other, hey, you have the light of Christ in you. Let's pray together. Let's believe that God can still heal. Believe that God can still work no matter what the darkness is. Amen? So when we invite people to church and they tell us our story and inside we're going, (sighs) wow, we need to lean in and go, I got somebody who will not cower back. In fact, he'll lean into it. He'll begin to unravel that with you no matter what step we go. And God begins to heal those things because I believe he still can. So as we pray here today, I just want to encourage you. And the first step that God calls us into is a relationship with him. And that's how we receive the light is hearing this Christmas story and going, wow, even the full calendar has completely changed at the birth of Jesus. Right. And we see this total reset of everything that Jesus has. And you may be saying, I, you know, maybe I came to church and I'm not sure why, but God began to work through people lined up circumstances because he's pursuing you and he loves you. But if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, that's the first step that he calls us to. But then. We will go on this lifelong journey where God begins to peel the layers back, where he gives us grace, but then he he begins to guide us. He heals us and he guides us. He heals us and he guides us. And he's lighting the path all along the way. So I want to pray for you and just ask God to speak to our hearts and uh, whatever that moment may be for us. Maybe for you, it's I need to surrender my life to Jesus for the very first time. Or maybe I've been following God for a while, but I'm ready to peel back some more layers. I think there's some things that have happened in me and through me that I've, I haven't really allowed the light to get to yet. And I'm still kind of wrestling with God about, but we begin to surrender that to God. And, and he'll begin to reveal how we can heal, but also move forward in it as well. So let's pray together. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I'd love for you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I know that I have missed the mark. God, I know that I have been pursuing the sin that's in my life, God. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me, and I believe that you rose again. God, I'm willing to turn from those uh, missing the mark, God, from the sin in my life, and I'm willing to pursue you and ask that you would save me and change me, God. And I want to pray for our church here today. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that we never forget that the light of Christ is dwelling in us and through us, God. I pray that if somebody walked into this place and they're just carrying this heaviness, like they're living in this darkness, I pray that we don't just wander the darkness by ourselves, but we lean in into your healing power, God, that you would guide us, that you would illuminate the next step that they need to take, that you would bring the right person at the right time to continue to guide them in everything that they do, God. Thank you for pursuing us, open to this moment where we can hear your words and hear your truth, God. I pray that we would surrender to you, pursue you with everything that we have, God, and just understand that this Christmas season is for us to shine the light to those who are around us as well. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.